Friends, grace and peace to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Rolf Jacobson is a professor and a pastor in the Lutheran Church. And he has a picture that he often shows when he's traveling around the country doing lectures and presentations. It's a picture of him and his son on a boat on a lake in Minnesota where they're from. His son is maybe eight or nine years old at the time. It's clear that they have this little speedboat on full throttle as they race across the lake. The sun is standing up, holding on for dear life, but the wind is just violently blowing his hair back, and his mouth is wide open. And Ralph says, what do you think he's doing right now? The answer is, he's singing. Hallelujah! See, right? Now, the reason he's singing that is because he's a pastor's kid, which means he's weird to begin with. But also because he sings in a children's choir, and they had just finished singing the Handel's Messiah. And so there he was, just overcome with joy and exhilaration and awesome wonder at the glory of God's creation and the wind in his hair and the gift of being with his dad out on the lake. And all he could think of to say was to sing one of the greatest songs of praise ever written in the history of Christianity. Songs are powerful. The most profound moments in life almost always have a soundtrack. Even if you're not a musician, my guess is that there are songs that make up the soundtrack for some of the most important moments in your life. The song that you danced with your wife or your husband at, at your wedding. Or the song that was playing on the radio when the broadcast was interrupted to tell you the news of Pearl Harbor or JFK or 9-11. Because music is powerful. Music anchors our memories. It, it roots our stories in song. The best things in life cannot be spoken. They can be sung. Today we begin a five-week conversation series on the Psalms. There are 150 of them in Scripture. The Psalms are the hymnal of the ancient Israelites. These are the, the songs of praise and faith that they sang as they gathered for worship and still do today. These are the songs of faith. And they begin with this beautiful image. Happy are they who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. They are like trees that are planted by streams of water, and they shall not be moved. What a powerful image. Deeply rooted, our roots sinking deep in the soil to tap into the streams of living water, flowing water of God's grace and love, such that we can grow up and grow out strong and tall, bearing fruit for the healing of the world and the feeding of the hungry. And the winds of change or doubt or danger or fear may blow, but they might bend us, but never break us, for we shall not be moved. What a gift. What a powerful image. Now, it's an interesting word. (laughs) Sometimes, hey, I, I get it. That's where Jesus is, and 
you all need to go there. That's an interesting word, the law, right? Those who delight in the law of the Lord. It would be easy to hear that and think that what this is referring to is the law, right? The 613 or so commandments that God gave to Moses to give to the people on Mount Sinai. But most scholars believe that this reference in Psalm 1 to delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night is actually a reference to the Psalms themselves. Which is to say that the Psalms are the the law, which is God's covenant, God's promise with us, God's agreement to be our God and, and we to be God's people, that the Psalms are the law put to music so that we would remember it that it would be inscribed on our hearts, rooted deep in our memory by music, song, and story. That those who delight in the songs of faith, which sing out God's promises, they are the deeply rooted trees that bear good fruit for the sake of the world. What a gift, this gift of song. Over the last 30 years or so, There's been a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth in North America in particular about the decline and potential death of Christianity, or at least mainline Protestant, mostly white Christianity. And in all of that conversation, there's a lot of folks who are wondering, and it's a good thing to ponder, will our children have faith? Will our children have faith? Now, It's a wonderful question to ask and an important one, but I wonder if perhaps that question could be answered with another question. Will our children have faith? It depends. Will they have a song? Will they know the songs of faith? Because if they have the songs of faith that root them deeply and tap their lives into the streams of living water by which God waters and nurtures the world, then they will have faith. There's a little axiom in worship studies, liturgical studies. It's a cute little Latin phrase that goes, lex orandi, lex credendi. What that means is the law of prayer, or more broadly, the law of worship, is the rule of faith. What that means is, is that if you, if you want to know what a people believe, watch and listen as they worship. That'll tell you what their faith is. And if you want to shape the faith of a people, then be intentional about how you shape their worship. Will our children have faith? They will if they have a song. A song to sing. In this conversation about why a lot of young adults and young people in general aren't in church as much as perhaps they used to be, many folks have begun to say out loud what many of us have been thinking for a long time, and that is the reason that they're not in church now is because they were never really there in the first place. Because for decades, we sold ourselves to the idea that we could teach the children the faith, That worship was this sort of boring, irrelevant, kind of arcane leisure activity reserved for grown-ups. But we would drag the kids to Sunday school, drop them off, kick them out for children's church, which actually rarely was church. It's more just kind of faithy babysitting. They might go to youth group, or we'd drag them kicking and screaming to confirmation. But they weren't 
in worship. And even if they were, they were often a kind of appendix, not at the heart. How could we ever imagine our children having faith if they never gathered to learn the songs that root that faith deep in their hearts, deep in their memories, anchoring them in the streams of living water of God's grace? That's how the faith is sung and taught. Now, Don't get me wrong, the 150 psalms that are enshrined in the scriptures are by no means the only songs of faith to which we cling. Good hymn writing did not come to an end in pre-Christian Israel. Everyone knows good hymn writing came to an end in the 16th century with Martin Luther. Right? Of course not. There are beautiful songs of faith that are being written and sung still today by people of every age and in every corner of creation. People tapping down deep into the waters, the aquifers of of God's grace that lie beneath our feet. I'm also not one of those who believes that the only good music worth listening to is Jesus music. There are people like that. In fact, when I was in high school, I had a friend who, in a fit of evangelical fervor, decided to destroy all of his secular cassette tapes. That's how old I am. I love to listen to all kinds of music. And indeed, if, if I were out there on the boat with Rolf Jacobson, I would be just as likely to sing Bruce Springsteen's Thunder Road as I would the Hallelujah Chorus. But I will say this. When I come to die, or when I come to die, give me Jesus. That's going to carry me through that last mile of my journey far more than any Taylor Swift song ever written. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. Hold thou thy cross before my darkening eyes. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. That will root me in the story of God's love and life that stands in the face of death. And when my life is is falling apart because of choices that I've made and and failures to be who I have promised to be, I'm fairly certain Megan Trainor's All About That Bass is not (laughs) going to heal my sin-sick soul. But amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now... There's a gift. And when I am filled with doubt or fear or anxiety and I find myself wandering, lost, and and wondering if God is there or who God is and where God is for me, I'm pretty sure Robin Thicke's blurred lines ain't going to help. I don't think that helps anything, actually, to be perfectly honest. But... Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. That might just bring me back to my roots. And when I look down from lofty mountain grandeur, 
All right, at that point, I would probably sing John Denver's Rocky Mountain High. (laughs) But then, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. What a gift. The songs of our faith that root us in God's streams of mercy and love, never failing. Fifteen years ago, I was at a conference in DeKalb, Illinois, of all places. About 1,500 people were there. 1,500 people from every possible denomination and non-denomination in North American Christianity. The thing that bound us all together was that we were all there to celebrate and to work on how we welcome people of all gender identities and sexual orientations. 1,500 people gathered all week long. It was a wonderful experience, but I will never forget the closing song of the closing worship service that week, where 1,500 people stood. 95% of them were themselves lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. The rest, a smattering of family, friends, and allies. 1,500 people who, for reasons that defy logic, cling tightly to the gift of faith and the story of Jesus Christ, despite the fact that the church of Jesus Christ has done everything in its power to pry that story from their grip, to tell them that Jesus doesn't want to hang with them until they change who they are and who they love. 1,500 people who all week long crossed a picket line of hoodlums from the Westboro Baptist Church of Fred Phelps with their hate-filled sign. 1,500 people who had no business in church because the church told them from birth they did not belong. And yet 1,500 people stood and they sang. And they sang with every fiber of their being. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Halfway through that hymn, which has always been a favorite of mine, but since then is deeply rooted in my soul. I couldn't really sing anymore. I just looked around and I saw as 1,500 people had tears streaming down their faces as they sang, this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior. All the day long. What a gift. What a gift we have been given. This rich inheritance from our ancestors and from our brothers and sisters around the globe today. These songs of faith that deeply root us. Such that we can reach down and tap into the streams of living water. The waters of God's grace and love that hold us firm, nourish and nurture us to grow up and out, strong enough to bear fruit, good fruit, that can feed the world and heal the nations. What a gift to be so rooted in a story that is sung in memory set to music, such that the winds might blow and we might bend, but we will never break And by God's grace alone, we shall not be moved. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.